Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday night, and it is time for Friends in Fiction. It's our favorite night of the week, and we hope it is for you, too. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. <laughs> I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, um, incognito. <laughs> and I'm Kristen Arbell. <laughs> and this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we will be welcoming Hank Phillippe Ryan. So settle in, turn off the distractions, and... Um, grab your beverage of choice because you're not going to want to miss a thing. We are, as we are every single Wednesday night, here to bring you incredible authors, hot reads, fascinating interviews, incognito costumes, <laughs> and everything you could ever want on your Wednesday night. And one way that you, and all of this, is to support indie bookstores. And one way you can help us support indies is to buy from them and where you can do that is to visit our own friends and fiction book bookshop.org page where you can find Hank's books and books by the four of us and an outrageously large and amazing bookshop with all of our guests mm -hmm. at a discount. That's right. And we don't just interview authors and dress up like their book jackets here on Wednesday nights. <laughs> also have a book club on a separate Facebook page called the Friends in Fiction Book Club with Lisa and Brenda. Coming up next, they will be discussing The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson on March 20th at 7 p.m. That's my birthday. That's yeah, my birthday. Yeah, that's right. So of, course, <laughs> of course, we also have our Writer's Block podcast that drops every Friday. On our Facebook page, we will always post a link to the newest episode, or you can find it on all major podcasting platforms. For our most recent episode, Ron and Patty host a doubleheader, talking to Pamela Terry about her newest, When the Moon Turns Blue, and to Anne Burt about her novel, The Dig. Mm -hmm. Coming this Friday, Ron and Meg will be talking to Rebecca Mackay. Did I say her last name right? Is it Mackay? Mm -hmm. About her brand new novel, I Have Some Questions for You, which we just found out tonight will debut at number three on the New York Times bestseller list. So congratulations to her. Yeah, we have our finger on the pulse of uh, of the book world, right? Yep. So we hope you will listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend if you like what you hear. And do you know about our signed first editions? This is a great year because we all have new books out in May, June, July, and September. Well, we each have a book out in May, <laughs> June, July, and September. That would be amazing. Ooh, we would be really good. So we have a Friends in Fiction first edition subscription available now from one of our favorite indie bookstores, Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey. And the subscription features signed hardback first editions from each of us and a Friends in Fiction kitchen towel that says dinner can wait. It's time for Friends in Fiction. And I have to tell you, the towels are cuter than that. I can't, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to photograph cute. them and let you see, but they're really cute. Um, you can order from them right now at booktown.com. That is booktown with an E at the end. All right, ladies, let's get this party started and introduce Hank. All right. Hank is the USA Today bestselling author of 14 psychological thrillers. She has won several prestigious awards that would take us too long to list, but there are five Agathas, five Anthonys, and the coveted Mary Higgins Clark Award. National book critics call Hank a superb and gifted storyteller. And, you know, she's the only author to win the Agatha in four categories. Oh. Best first, best novel, best short, best short story, and best nonfiction. Wow. She's also an on-air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV with 37 Emmys and dozens more journalism honors. She is a founder <laughs> of MWA University. 
host of Crime Time on A Mighty Blaze, and co-host of First Chapter Fun and Backroom. I don't know how she does all that. I know. And she only requires two hours of sleep a night and is secretly a vampire. Or has an evil twin in the basement. Oh my gosh. The only explanation. So her newest, (laughs) The House Guest, is a page-turning standalone thriller that explores the dark heart of marriage and friendship. And a library journal uh, gave it a star review, calling it binge-worthy, which is amazing. All right, Sean, bring her on. (laughs) <laughs> I, you all are hilarious and we did not there you go but I want you all to take a <laughs> screen I was going to say everyone smile and taking a picture of us Wait, let me get my head, my face out of the shadow okay. maybe I'm better in shadows <laughs> got it okay all right. um, that is so fun are, Mary Kay you are hilarious when you came on with that hat and <laughs> She was it. supposed to wait, but she got a little confused. She got well, she's gonna excited. She just got excited and she didn't like yeah. her blowout today. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. The worst blowout, but that's another that's another show. <laughs> it's a tragedy. It's totally a tragedy. It's isn't it so much fun to see everybody dressed up in, as the house guest cover when I it when I saw that so cool. cover, I thought this is just amazing. And I immediately amazing. Got, and got sunglasses. Yeah. Okay, so Hank, who, I'm sorry, I'm like really jump. I'm, it, we're a minute in and I'm already like off script. But who do you think that the cover of The House Guest is? Oh my golly, that is such an interesting question because you would think it would be the main character, Alyssa McAllen, mm-hmm. but then it might be Brie Lawrence, sort of her new best friend. It could be either one of them. Okay. And when you look at the cover really closely, You see how there are two beach chairs reflecting. That's so amazing. So who were those chairs for? The chairs. She taking somebody's spot. I mean, who knows? Very good. Well, at any rate. What all the readers think, because I I don't, I just honestly don't know. That's the hardest question of all. It's a great, it's a great, great cover. Well, anyway, obviously the house guest is a fabulous twisty thriller that I just flew through. But at its core, it's also a really great story about a friendship that ends up changing two women's lives in very unexpected ways. And of course, here at Friends in Fiction, we're kind of the poster children for that. (laughs) So ladies, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Can you tell us about a friendship that changed your life? And Hank, we'll give you, normally we we would say you first, but we're going to give you a minute to think about it um, since I just sprung this on you. So Patty, do you want to get us started? Um, and I'm not saying it because she's here, but um, my life is so much better and richer and different and changed since the day I met Mary Kay Andrews. Aww. Well over um, 22 years ago, um, I wasn't even published. Um, she had published a lot of books. I had a first manuscript I'd finished. And um she didn't just support my work, but, you know, became, you know, one of my dearest friends in the world. And then if it wasn't for Mary Kay, would we have ever even gotten together to do this? No. So, no, no yeah. we wouldn't yeah. have. It was all her, 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 like, so. Out. So I, that is what I choose tonight. You know, I love, love you so much. I love you back. I love all you ladies. You know, um, in that vein, when I was a newspaper reporter at the Atlanta Constitution, I had a, a friend, and her name was Celestine Sibley. She was a nationally renowned uh, columnist, and she was, I was older than her daughter even, but she was my pal, and we would go to lunch together, and I whispered to her that I was working on a, a mystery, and she really encouraged me, and was the first person to say, you know, you you can be this, you can do this, you can be a writer. She um, wrote her first book. She'd get up at um, four in the morning and write and then take a bus from the way far suburbs into downtown Atlanta. And so when I finished my first manuscript, she took it to her public, her editor, who was a uh, editor-in-chief at HarperCollins. And Larry Ashmi didn't buy that manuscript, but he did buy the next one. And that really changed my life. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That's I beautiful. knew her. 
And I knew. Oh my gosh. Because I lived in Atlanta and I knew Celestine Sibley and such a huge fan. I don't mean to interrupt, but this is the smallest small world. And also Larry Ashmead. It's just all my history is coming together. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, um, for me, um, it's going to be a weird answer. Well, obviously, you guys have changed my life in in the ways that Patty mentioned. Um, But Chubby Checker. Um, So um, you guys know that I I have talked about this a couple times, that uh, I ghost wrote his autobiography, which has yet to come out. Um, But we've known each other for, I think... I think it'll be 15 years. This, um, this, it's been 15 years. I think, I think we met in 2008, maybe it was 2010. We've known each other for a long time. Um, he is like the big brother I never had. And he came into my life, I think at a time that I, that I had very little confidence in myself in terms of my value to other people, which is a strange thing Mm. to say, but I think sometimes people come into your life at the right time to help set you on the track you're sort of supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. And him coming into my life with like the love of a big brother. I mean, and he's one of the people, honestly, that I love most in this world. Um, It just taught me to believe in myself and in a way that I hadn't known how to do yet. And and I think it's just really changed the trajectory of everything for me. Oh, that's that's amazing. I love that. Well, you would think since I came up with this question, I would have thought about what I was going to say to answer it. Um, I did not. However, the thing that just keeps popping into my head, it's nothing like what you guys are saying. It's not like anything necessarily like that earth shaking. But um, my friend Kate, who has just been my best friend since we were five, she was kind of like my first friend that I chose for myself. You know what I mean? You know yeah. how you have like friends that it's your mom's friend's kids or your what, whatever. And um, the first day of kindergarten, I had this like really long blonde hair and she cut the whole back of my hair off. <laughs> and that's how we met. And um, oh my gosh. we, yes, have been, she's like my opposite in every way. It's so funny, but we've been best friends since we were five and um, she's just changed my life. And, and so, so many, we've had a lot of adventures <laughs> together. Um, but yeah, you just never know how you're going to meet your friend. I oh remember my, my mom being Chopped like, off the back of your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Was pretty back. I, that, I can't even picture that. It was not, it was not good. It was not good. <laughs> Imagine I'll tell you that. Imagine it wasn't. Took a while. Took a while. All right. Well, so Hank, what about you? Well, you all have me thinking about this so much. And it's interesting what you're saying about someone coming into your life at exactly the right time when you couldn't even predict it. And years ago at Channel 7, Channel 7 had a community affairs show where they would have authors come in and people would do the interviews with the authors. And I think it was something like I might have been the only person in the newsroom who read books. I'm I'm not. (laughs) So they said, you do the author interviews. So I'm like, great, fine, I'll do the author interviews. And it was really fun. And I got to interview a lot of people and read a lot of books that I wouldn't have ordinarily done. And I wasn't writing at all at that point. That was way before I had any idea that I wanted to be a, a writer of fiction. So they said, you know, your interview next week is Sue Grafton, this woman, Sue Grafton. And I said, oh yeah, I think I've heard of her. Okay, Sue Grafton. And it was Anne. I remember I interviewed her for Anne and she came in and she was so charming and so sweet and so generous and so funny. I still remember her gorgeous laugh. I mean, just this throaty, wonderful laugh. And after the end of the interview, I said to her, you know, when I was little, I always wanted to write a mystery and you're really giving me the inspiration to do it. I wonder if I can really do it. And I won't do her accent for you, but um, she says, well, you know, if you ever write, if you ever write a mystery, you send that to me and I'll, and I'll read it. I know you can do it. So years went by. And I, after I wrote my first book, I didn't send it to her because I was too afraid. And after I wrote my second book, I didn't send it to her because I was too afraid. But when I wrote my third book, I thought, you know, this is my third book. I, maybe I'm a real writer, so I'm going to send it to Sue. So I sent it to Sue, and she wrote back a letter which said, I'll be happy to read your book for a blurb, but if you don't hear from me, don't bother me, don't call me, don't write me, don't don't email me. If I don't send you a blurb, that means I'm not going to send it. So, (laughs) okay. So, and I think that's pretty smart. So, I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. Um, and finally it appeared. And I don't know, do you see that this right here on my wall? Yeah. That mm-hmm. is the letter from Sue Grafton. Mm-hmm. 
with her blurb. Um, And later, um, one of my favorite memories of all time is at Crime Bake, I felt it, I was sitting by myself and I felt a tap on my shoulder and it was Sue had, who had my book and she wanted me to autograph my book to her and oh my gosh. got a shot of it of me just my head back laughing with delight at Sue Grafton coming to ask me for an autograph and long story short I know too late because it's already too long but we became really no, it's not friends, too long really good friends and she was such a guide and a mentor and a source of source of um I don't know, enthusiasm and support and friendship. That's and I awesome. miss her all, all, I miss her every day. I think oh. of her every day. That's I awesome. interviewed her when she came to the constitution on book tour and um, I had been a fan. And so, and I was working on my first novel. And so um, after, after I interviewed her, I don't remember why we did this, but we went to the, there was a lunch counter at Walgreens and not, not Walgreens, uh, the dime store. Um, Woolworths. 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 There was a Woolworths right around the corner from the paper. And we went, oh, we took her, we took her picture there for the story. And um, I said, okay, now that that's done, I'm working on an, I'm working on my first mystery. And um, I, I took a writer's class with her at a writer's workshop in Ohio. Um, and after the workshop, she actually said, this book will get published. And so mm-hmm. when it came time to ask for blurbs, my publisher Harper wanted me to ask other Harper authors. And I said, but they don't really write mysteries. I want to ask a mystery writer. And they said, well, you don't know any mystery writers. I said, well, actually, I know. (laughs) And I said, after that workshop, I wrote her a thank you note telling her what a, you know, what an inspiration she was and how much I had learned. And she wrote me back. So I think maybe she would. And she did. Oh man, that's awesome! It just brings tears to your eyes. The community—you yeah. got you all—are such um, an example of that about how the mystery community and the crime fiction community and the writing community works together, and we do support each other. Yeah, uh, we're honestly enthusiastic, and it's really wonderful. It brings tears to my eyes, Mary Kay, to hear that story. Yeah, that's she was awesome. lovely to me. I, if when we could do it, when she can't, would come to Atlanta on book tour, we'd go have dinner together, and that was like oh. the highlight of the year for me. That's awesome. That was my biggest surprise, I think, as a writer, is how supportive everyone is of each other. It's kind of amazing. Well, Hank, we got to talk about this book because, oh my goodness, it was so great. Um, And, you know, like I said, you definitely, you kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time and I did not see the end coming. So that's always really fun. Um, So Alyssa, your main character, is separated from a man who seems determined to take everything from her, her money, her friends, and maybe even a piece of her sanity. So when she meets Brie, a woman who has also been burned by love, they seem destined to become fast friends. And then Brie suggests a way that she and Alyssa could possibly solve each other's problems that might just be too good to refuse. So shocking revelations are in huge supply in this novel, and nothing and no one is as it seems. So there's a little bit about what this book is about for uh, people who have not read it yet. If you haven't, go pick it up. But Hank, we want you to tell us what this book is really about. Oh, my golly. This book is about heartbreak. Uh, It's about vulnerability. It's about female empowerment. Mm. It's about getting our power back when the rug has been pulled out from under us. You know, we've all been in that situation when we think our lives are over and terrible and we're surprised. I mean, Alyssa's husband walks out on her and it's shocking and it's terrifying and she doesn't know why and he won't explain it to her. Um, And I wanted to have her, she says in the book, who am I if I'm not Bill McCallan's wife? Mm-hmm. And this is a story about, you know, it's the stages of grief, isn't it? That when we have a bad breakup and we're completely heartbroken, first we're really, really sad. Then we get a little bit angry. Then we get into some denial. And finally, we're thinking about a little bit of revenge. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that's what Alyssa is trying to do. She grows into her own power. And that's what this book is about, coming back from a devastating heartbreak. So, and, you know, I'm not going to say if she does or not but when you were talking about that the twists along the way I don't know the ending I, I don't oh, know wow. the, ending of the book 
So when I figured out the ending of The House Guest, I was by myself sitting right here and I just stood up and applauded. I'm like, yes, I got this. Oh, I love that. There's a moment there where you're like, no, as the reader, you know, and you're like, Anyway, it was great. I'm not going to give it away. Not a surprise ending. And twist. I surprise myself every day. I surprise myself every day. And, you know, I learned that from Sue. She used to say that that was the magic that we as authors can surprise ourselves every day. And I, and I, and I really embrace that. That's awesome. It's awesome, yeah. And sometimes I get wrapped up in wanting to know what's going to happen ahead of time. And 90% of the best stuff comes that I didn't plan it. And I've never stood up and applauded, but <laughs> I felt like it. And so now I'm actually going to do it. I highly um, recommend it. I think that's awesome. My dog would be like, what? <laughs> well, one, one of the pivotal moments in this novel is when the FBI shows up at her door and she doesn't know where to turn. There's a lot of detail here about procedure and rules. And to me, one of the most interesting is what the FBI is allowed to do and not allowed to do to prove its case. And the FBI, of course, plays a really large role in this novel. So I am wondering, we are all wondering, how did you do all of your research to find that out for all of this? Well, I've been a television reporter for 43 years. And I have wired myself with hidden cameras and chased down criminals and gone undercover and in disguise. So I think I've been I think I've been doing research for the past 43 years on how law enforcement works and what the rules are. And then my husband is a criminal defense attorney. And so it is really nice to have in-house counsel. So <laughs> at about three o'clock when I'm in writing mode, every day I'll sort of go into his office and say, sweetheart, I, I have the legal question of the day. And then I'll talk to him about how I need to make it authentic and what, what he can tell me about what really happens. But of course, you know, who the FBI agents are, well, we won't even talk about that. <laughs> It is, it is It is. absolutely true, and this is exactly what would happen. And it's so much fun to figure out the cat and mouse game. I mean, the whole book is a cat and mouse game. Yeah. And it's a cat and mouse game between the FBI and the other characters as well. I want to ask about something that's in your book that I don't think any of us knew about. And it is the cedar, seedy underbelly of the fundraising world. Oh. We didn't even know that really existed. So is that part of the story based on something real? Or where did that come from? I just made that up. <laughs> you did. Okay. It's good. Even better. Yes. I just made that up. I mean, the story does come from real life in a way, if I can say. Um, not not that fundraising thing, although my scheme would work. I, <laughs> um, That's awesome. Don't try it. But the story it. came from, um, I had a friend years ago in another lifetime who thought she was happily married. And she had been married for a while. She was a savvy, smart, competent woman with a savvy, smart, responsible job, with a savvy, smart, you know, reliable husband with a savvy, smart, responsible job. And every morning she'd say, bye, honey, I'm going to work. And he'd say, bye, honey, me too. I'll see you later. Um, and everything was just fine. I mean, he was something like a, an accountant or a, somebody in finance, something like that. And everything was fine. And they had this happy marriage until the FBI came to the door until the FBI came to the door. And it turned out that he had never gone to work a day in his <gasps> life. Yes. No. And the job was completely made up. The whole thing was pretend that he had stayed home. I know. He had stayed home every day doing nefarious, really <gasps> creepy, illegal things on the computer. So illegal and so nefarious that he was arrested and charged and convicted. And, and which is scary enough, but my friend had no idea. I mean, here's a smart woman who you would think you would think would know. And I started thinking, could a spouse really keep a secret like that from another spouse? If your husband or loved one was doing something really terrible, would you know, could you think they could keep oh, it from man. And and if if you were doing something really bad, <laughs> you think you could keep it a secret from someone who loves you? I, I don't know. 
And that was the research that was pretty interesting about this because there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, backstory about women, we'll talk about women, who have no idea what their husbands are doing until the feds show up. And, it, and you know, that, not only in white collar crime, which is most of the time that the women don't know. I mean, we think, come on, sister, you're not bad. Yeah. But it's true that they just really don't know. And in, and in violent yeah. crime as well. I mean, think about the woman who was dating and married Ted Bundy. And, the, you yeah. know, yeah. TK's family didn't know. So there's yeah. just, you know, it's all, you know, our stories are about keeping secrets. And that's what really was the background of this story. Things just aren't what they seem. Yeah. Exactly. Now you have question, you questioning everything in my life. That's, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. So Hank, um, it's interesting because you just talked about this friend of yours and, and, you know, this piece of the novel kind of coming from that, but this is a novel where the reader doesn't quite know who to trust and with good reason. Um, but as we kind of talked about in the opening, there are, is a very strong story about the nature of women's friendships and also that sort of instant connection that I think we tend to associate, you know, kind of with love at first sight, but that can also apply to friendship too, where you just kind of click immediately. So we talked a little bit about that at the beginning of the show, but I'm wondering, did any of the relationships in your own life influence that element of the book? Oh, what a, what a good question. You know, I, um, as a reporter, I, I am sort of a solitary person because my job prevents me from getting really, really close to people because what if I have to do a story about it? Um, I was really um, unpopular, nerdy, little geeky girl in high school and grade school, and I really didn't have any friends except for the characters in books. So being in this world of being um, a writer and being in the world of people who I, 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 can, I can really connect with has, has, just, has just been such a difference. You know, I, Hannah Mary McKinnon and I completely clicked at the first moment that we started doing first mm. chapter. On the women of Jungle Red, Hallie Efren and Reese Bowen and Deborah Crombie, Lucy Burdett, Julia Spencer Fleming, uh, Jen, Jen McKinley, we, we all talk to each other every day. And, you know, sort of we're on this journey together. So the sort of buoyancy of friends in writer world, I mean, as you well know, has been, has been quite amazing and new for me, really new for me. I mean, as a, as a writer, when I go to events, there are people who have watched me on TV for 40 years who say, you're funny, you're smiling, you're laughing, because I'm the tough guy. I'm the one, I'm the yeah. one asking the really hard question. Yeah. So this, is a, this is a whole new life for me. Oh, I love that. Well, it doesn't, and it doesn't suck this life, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> a pretty good one. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. And I also wanted to ask you, so in a book like this, you know, you're juggling an edge of the seat an edge of your seat mystery with relationships, love, things like that. How do you know that you've struck the right balance? And is that something that's, um, that's conscious for you or does it just flow? Oh, golly. It's somewhere in between conscious and flow. If you know, if you know what I'm writing a real story about real people who want something. And the question is, Mm. what do they want and how far will they go to get it? And what will they do if someone gets in their way? I mean, I write psychological fiction. You know, I, I don't like graphic sex in books, so I just don't put it in. I don't like graphic violence in books, so I just don't put it in. I don't like inappropriate language in books, so I, ju- I just don't put it in. But I do love deception and manipulation and mind games, you know, gaslighting, that kind of thing. Because I think that the violence we do to each other emotionally is so incredibly powerful. So pacing, you know, after all these years as a reporter, I think I've learned how to tell a story that keeps you turning the pages. I mean, I don't want you to turn off the TV when my stories are on. It's so easy. Click, click, click. Boring, yeah. boring, boring. And I want you to like miss your stop on the subway because you yes. can't stop turning the pages of the book. So I I read I read the books out my books out loud. I have my mm. computer voice read the books out loud. Oh, and the really Oh, it's amazing. It's it's amazing. It's, it's a little tip. it's a little AI-ish sounding. But I, I think, I kind of think my AI guy in my computer is learning about, I don't think so. Anyway. <laughs> I bet you he is. 
that's your next book. There nice. you go. <laughs> when you hear the story out loud, when I hear the story out loud, I an answer to your question finally. And when I hear the story out loud, if my mind starts to wander, I think, oh, bing, there you go. There's a place that you're going to have to tighten this up or figure out what you really meant or make make sure that the, every single word works, make sure that the story is advancing at every moment. So there's a music, isn't there, in writing? There's a rhythm yeah. to it. And um, listening to the words out loud, someone else saying the words out loud makes me hear that music even more than when I'm writing it. That's it. Yes, absolutely. You know, we just heard that you know, we know you're an you're an investigative reporter in addition to writing these wonderful edge of the seat novels. But you know, I gotta say, we're calling you if we need to get away with murder. <laughs> wondering if your role as an investigative journalist over the years, if that's influenced your writing. Um, you told us a little bit about the the genesis of the idea for the house guest. Can you think of any other stories you reported on that ended up influencing your previous novels or or this one too? I know in my years of reporting, my first not my first couple novels, they were based on things I'd written as a reporter. Oh, exactly. And it's irresistible to do that because what we're doing as a reporter is covering a good story. We're telling a good story. Yeah. There's, there are going to be nuggets in those stories. There are going to be characters in those stories. There's going to be motivations in those stories. There are going to be schemes in those stories. I've done a lot of work about international smuggling of counterfeit goods, and that was all in my novel, Airtime. You know, I've covered so many murder trials and, you know, been so immersed in them. My book, The Murder List, is about... Uh, a specific murder murder trial. So is Trust Me. You know, it's all about, my books are about justice. They're about justice. You know, there's emotional justice and there's uh, legal justice and there's personal justice and there's vengeful justice. So I love exploring the same way that I did as a reporter, that the little guy should be, somebody should stand up for the little guy, that the bad guys should lose and the good guys should win. And in the end, you get some justice, as I said, and you change the world a little bit. So we did that as we do that as reporters. We make a difference in people's lives. Um, and I try to take that. I mean, I've done stories about um, what really goes on in those empty foreclosed houses. After I did a story about the housing crisis, I thought, hmm, somebody has the keys to those and the utilities are still on. Um, I wonder what somebody might be doing with those. And that is in truth be told. In, in what you see was all about all the surveillance cameras that are everywhere. And what if someone used that surveillance video um, to prove that you were somewhere that you said you weren't or prove that you weren't somewhere that you said you were. So I know how that system works in Massachusetts and in Boston. So I could, I could, you know, it's, that's my research. That's my research. So my real stories are my research, but my books are fiction. It's like a little Rubik's cube that I take a little bit from here and a little bit from here and a yeah. little bit from here and you go, ch -ch 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 -ch. <laughs> And make a whole new picture. So, but that experience is absolutely invaluable. I, I you know, I, I didn't start writing till I was fifty-five. Which oh my was gosh, you look 40. Okay, that I right. know. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was years ago. And I don't think that I could be who I am now as a writer if I hadn't had all those years of experience writing stories uh, for television. That's yeah, awesome. I used to think I, when I worked as a reporter, I used to think I was a failure um, because I hadn't won a um, Pulitzer Prize. And what I, when I wrote my first novel, I thought, wait a minute, this was just the world's longest internship. That's all. <laughs> I so agree with you. Yeah. I, I, we don't know it when it's happening. You know, yeah. we're just like, give me my Pulitzer. I'll wait for mine too. Yeah. Crap. Um, well, Hank, our chat is filling up with love and questions for you. Oh. So we're going to take a couple of those. Um, Patty, will you grab a question for us, please? Sure. Robin Shelley wants to know this. When you get an idea for a story, you just explained all those different origins for stories. Does the character, the setting, or the plot usually come first? That is such a good question, Robin. I, I, I have to tell you that it's all the same thing to me. It's okay. 
it, you can't have one without the other. I mean, I told you about, for instance, the, the, how, how the house guest came and I needed someone to be brokenhearted and I needed someone to be gaslighting her and I needed someone to be surprised. But it, it all kind of, I can't, I can't take it apart because something important happens to someone and what is going to happen next. And so I, I I love that uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen. So it's, it's all, it's all, it's all the same to me. It's a good story. When I, you know, when I know it's a good idea, I get these little goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Be a good idea. And when it's not a good idea, it's like, if you would drop a pebble into a pond and there would be no ripples, Hmm. a clunk to the bottom, but a good story, you know, you drop that story pebble into the pond and the ripples start to go out and it's all a muchness. It's the character and it's the setting and it's the plot. It's all together. That's Hmm. awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that analogy. I haven't heard that. I like that. that It's really good. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's pull another, you know, I I wanted to read this note that Meg pulled from Renee Herskowitz. Oh, good. I'm glad you're reading that. (laughs) Oh, did did you want to read it, Christine? No, no. Okay. okay. (laughs) She said, everyone needs to read the house guest. Plus give your house guest or best friend a copy of the house guest. (laughs) Seriously. So that's from Renee Herskowitz. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny to go into some, go to someone's house and then there's the house guest (laughs) just sitting there by their nightstand yeah don't read it until i leave (laughs) (laughs) take it with you (laughs) oh my goodness that's great thank you Our friend Sharon Person is also asking a question um, that I think, at least speaking for myself, I'm wondering too, because Hank, you are so productive. You do so much. So Sharon says, serious question, Hank, how much sleep do you get at night? (laughs) Serious answer, Sharon. Do you know how much I love sleeping? I just (laughs) Okay, good. I feel better. You you get under the comforter and you cuddle down on the pillow and you think, oh, this is so um, I love to sleep and I do and I do get enough sleep. I think it's really important to get enough sleep. I, I just did come off of book tour though. I've been gone for two weeks on the road. And those early morning flights are just oh, I just they're oh, murderous. I have seen so many dawns in the past. <laughs> it's, it's crazy and and you know, you start getting really rickety if you don't get enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so enthusiastic about what I do that I don't, I don't want to feel that little edgy, raggedy edge yeah. of, of being sleepy. So I don't, you all try to protect you. Know, I try to protect. Oh, so so protect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Hank, hang tight. Cause we have one last question for you, but first we want to remind everybody out there about our upcoming in-person events. So you will always read about, these in-person events in our newsletters, in our individual newsletters, on our websites. But for a quick recap, we will all be together in person live first in Columbus, Ohio on April 26th, in Charleston, South Carolina at Buxton Books on May 1st to celebrate the launch of my novel that's only nine weeks away I mean, not that we're counting, The Secret (laughs) Book of Flora Lee. And then on June 6th, we will be in Huntsville, Alabama, which is right up the road from me. And I can't wait that Kristen is going to launch her book, Close to Me, The Paris Daughter. Links are live now for all three of these events. And Meg is going to share them in the comments. Yeah, and on July 20th, we'll be in Orlando at Oxford Exchange for Christie's launch of the Summer of Songbirds, then Tampa. on August Tampa. Tampa. But it it did say that. It did say that. I changed it. it I know you, you must have printed. I don't know why it said that, but Tampa. Just so I would look stupid. That's what you did. <laughs> no. It's not, it's, not not a, it's not a big trick. Okay. We're going to be in Tampa at Oxford Exchange for Christie's launch of the Summer of Songbirds. <laughs> then on August 1st, we'll be in Christie's hometown of Beaufort, North Carolina for an event with Earlier.org, which is an incredible breast cancer research organization to honor our own Kristen and Patty. And then we'll, in the fall, the last, the last shot um, will be my 2023 novel, Bright Lights, Big Christmas. And more info will come up on that as we have it. So make sure, if you want to find out, make sure you're signed up for our Friends in Fiction newsletter and for our individual newsletters. 
You know, it just occurred to me the other day when I was writing um, a future episode, that means starting in April, we are together every calendar month, once every yeah. calendar month, which is really, really cool. I love that. That's really cool. We haven't yeah. been together like that in a long time. I know. No. I'm so excited about know, it. We need to go up fun. to Boston too, all of us, so we can hang out yeah. with Hank, right? That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, was going as a house guest. Wait nope, a minute. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nice try. Dana. Yeah. Nice try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We also want to tell you that next week, next Tuesday, is an event that's very dear to my heart. Um, on Tuesday, March 7th, the four of us will be joining more than 60 authors for a virtual event hosted by Adventures by the Book to raise money for cancer research and mammograms for the uninsured. You can see the full list of authors and RSVP at adventuresbythebook.com. The only cost of admission is a commitment to schedule your mammogram or to encourage a loved one to do so. That is the most important thing to be here. I want you all getting your mammograms if you're due. And actually, uh, make sure to show up a few minutes before the start time of seven, because we have a few extra surprise authors making pre-show appearances starting at about 6.55. So 20% of each book sold will go to Susan G. Komen. Um, And uh, that is actually the launch night for Christie's book and paperback also. So um, so it's a great time to buy that book too. So um, yeah, plus get your 20% so we will see you there with more than 60 other authors but right now let us get back to this author hank. all right hank we want to ask you a twist on the new york times book review question which of your characters across all the books you've written would you want to invite for a dinner party of my characters your characters yes gotta have charlie mcnally charlotte mcnally um is the main character of my first series um she is i could she is 46 and a television reporter in boston who's worried she's getting too old for television and she she wonders what happens if you're married to your job in television and the camera doesn't love you anymore you can see i really dug deep for that (laughs) (laughs) she's funny and she's smart and she i i couldn't possibly leave her out um let's see who else in, in my book, Trust Me, Mercer Hennessy is a really intelligent, um, thoughtful woman, a reporter, a magazine writer who um, tries to write a true crime novel and realizes, how do you know, how can you write a true crime novel if there's no way to know what's really true? So I love mm-hmm. how thoughtful she is. And I think she and Charlie would get along really mm-hmm. well. They both mm-hmm. care as I do, they both care about justice. And you can't just have all women, like well, I guess you can, but there's this character um, in, in my book, Truth Be Told, called Peter Hardesty. And I actually get fan mail for Peter Hardesty. <laughs> I know, he's a, he's, a, he's a criminal defense attorney. He's a really good guy. He kind of looks like Atticus Finch in, he looks like Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and I've always been sort of secretly in love with him. And so, gee, if Peter Hardesty could come to dinner, that would be great. <laughs> the problem is I don't think any of those people can cook. So we would so. have to have it be catered. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that's good. I think that's that actually, good. yeah, it makes for like a nice atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, well, well you know, it's, okay, let's say that you do have it catered. Who in Boston do you order from? Hmm. Who in Boston do I order from? Um, you like DoorDash. I don't know. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, there's definitely DoorDash. And there's, de- you know, I haven't been anywhere for three years. <laughs> how, how do I know? I've been cooking. I used to keep track of how many dinners I made. I would say, sweetheart, I am on dinner number 7,492. <laughs> I can't think of any more dinners to make. Never think of what to make. So, finding a good caterer—that's a very good question. We will definitely have to work on that. Yes, for sure. Well, Hank, you have been such an incredible guest. It's like you have thirty-seven Emmys. I don't. It's weird. Um, (laughs) We just can't thank you enough for spending time with us tonight and telling us all about this amazing book. And um, we hope to see you soon in person and we hope to see you soon back in Friends of Fiction and um, good luck with the rest of your events. And look at all the people who are here. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Your community is just so 
loving and so fabulous. And you have done this. And I am beyond honored to be oh, here this evening. Thank you so much for including me. We are so happy here. to have you. Yeah. All right. Good night, Hank. Nice, sweetheart. Good night, Hank. All right, everyone. Don't forget that you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you will not miss a thing. Tune in next week. We'll be joined by Jennifer Rosner and Julia Kelly. Have a great night. We Wait, we're having an after, after show. show. We might have an after show coming up for you. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey. She was such a great guest, wasn't she? she? Was. Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah. like you said, joked, you know, seems like you have 37 Emmys. She's just so yeah. succinct <clears throat> and like thinks of things off the top of her head. Yep. She's mm-hmm. so interesting. She is. She's incredible. Yeah. She's had a really interesting life for sure. I feel she ha- should have a book of book ideas and then mm-hmm. run out the ones she doesn't use. Yeah. She needs to have a memoir is what she yeah. needs to have. Yeah. Hank, we'll be emailing you later with our suggestions for your next book. <laughs> you obviously need us. I think this is like her 14th novel in like yeah. however many years. <laughs> Well, yeah. ladies, I feel like we haven't had like a good old fashioned catch up around here in a while. And I felt like we were due for one. Um, I agree. So, I mean, we can talk about anything you want, but I'm interested to know what everybody's working on. I mean, I know what everybody's doing. I thought that maybe like, other know? people might want to know. Other people might want to know. <laughs> we might keep some secrets from you. I don't know. Maybe yeah, you might. You might. Probably not. But. <laughs> um, uh, Patty, I like that that we had a. Can we can we talk about yeah, what we did yesterday? Yeah. I mean, obviously not specifically what we did yesterday, but. We had a we had a title brainstorming Zoom yesterday, and it was so fun. It was so fun. It reminded me of the old days when we old days two and a half years ago yeah. when we would you know get together. We should be coming up on our three year anniversary. Oh my gosh, we're April, coming up on next our three month. Year. Next oh month. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I'm, you're right. Oh away. my gosh. So yeah. three years ago when we would yeah. you know do the morning when we were all stuck at home. Um, but yeah, what I'm working on right now, well, a title for my next book that we, um, <laughs> something will grow out of that huge list for all of you. What, what Christy is talking about is that we, I texted the group and said, anybody up for a title brainstorm? And Mary Kay said, let's get on a zoom. And from whatever we were doing, we stopped and we <laughs> just threw out a ton of titles. I have two pages of titles. So the right one will bubble out of there. I'm a hundred percent sure. But I've been working on um, getting ready for the launch of Flora Lee. I know people think, um, you know, that the business doesn't really start until the book comes out. But the nine or 10 weeks before are really busy. You know, you're writing extra essays. Like there's a Barnes and Noble special edition and I have a special essay in it. There's Q&As, there's book tour planning, there's speech writing. Um, So... I've been getting, getting a little bit of anxiety, Patty. I know. Exactly. And y'all, we're and the launch planning. I sent them some. Wait, do you see some of the really fun stuff I'm doing for the launch? So I've been so doing much. that and also working on a new book um, every morning. That is what I spend my mornings doing. So, mm-hmm. how about you, Kristen? You know, I wish I could tell you what I've been doing, but like. Now I'm like, where do my days go? I'm not really <laughs> sure I understand where they go. Um, no, I, I am um, in the very early stages of working on a next book. But to be honest with you, um, my my brain just isn't holding stuff the right way right now. I, you yeah. know, I, I know we'll talk about that in a minute. But just because the treatment that I'm going through... Um, uh, it, it, it's weird. I don't feel like myself. Like it, I, I, mm-hmm. So much of my identity is tied up in writing and what I'm currently working on and what I'm currently writing. So a big part of this for me has been realizing that maybe my identity doesn't identity does not have to be so tied to that. So, Mm -hmm. um, so maybe I'm doing a little bit of self work without, um, (laughs) without intending to, but I am kind of in the beginning stages of that next book. I'm also gearing up for the launch of the Paris daughter in just a few months. Um, and as Patty said, uh, you know, the work begins a few, a few months out and, you know, it's going to be here in a blink. Mine comes out about a month after Patty's about, I guess about five, what, five weeks after yours. Um, it feels like it's going to be here tomorrow. Yep. Wow. 
How about you? Mary, How about you, Mary Kay? Well, last week I handed in the copy edits for Bright Lights Big Christmas. Then, I know. So then I got back to writing. I had kind of let that slide. Somebody, um, Brenda Gaskill is asking, do we all still do our morning writing sprints? I have not been snapping the whip, but I'm going to start doing it again. Yeah, well, I've been doing them without the whip. So been doing, Patty's been doing them and being a good girl. Yeah. Um, so um, Can I have an A, Mary Kay? Please. You have an A plus. Yes. Thank I'm, you. Thank I'm you. like a C minus at best right now. I'm, I'll, you I'll have what's together. officially called a hall pass. You have an, a note. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, you are not graded. Right. So the my book, I have, unlike Patty, I have a title. I just don't have a book. <laughs> but I have I have about fifty five pages now, so that's that's great. That's, that's awesome. Old. That's a yeah. lot of pages. That's yeah. not nearly enough. You know, I write a bit long book. Yeah, well, that's true. That's awesome, that's true. You do write a long book. Um, I got my edits back yesterday for my twenty twenty four book, which I think we know the title of, but I'm not sure that I can say it yet, so I'm not going to. But um, yeah, it's that's always the part. Like, it's so fun to like see the book kind of like taking shape and like getting those finishing touches, but it's also, it feels very daunting to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, Cause I love the writing so much and that like fresh creative burst. And then sometimes I'm like, do I want to change that? Do I like, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know, but, um, but it's good. I made a lot of progress today. So I always, I think I like get nervous about it and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to yeah. be able to do it this time. And then, yep you know, you dive in and you're like, Oh, okay, no, I've got this. Like, this is fine. Um, but I think for me, it's always that like just layer of digging like a little bit deeper. And then I dug on that first draft and that's yeah. like the hard part. Cause you're sort of like bleeding for it a little bit, you know, but it's good. Yeah. Um, well, you need to admit that you took to your bed yesterday. I did. I did. I was <laughs> like, the rest guys, of us feel human. Please. I was like, I'm just, I am. My edits have come back. I'm taking to bed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have the vapors been. like a good Southern woman. And I'm going to get on my fainting couch. Uh, and we all have one of those. Um, you know, highlight things. Highlight things. Now, when you get that edit letter back, I like it, it, it's like, you know, your report card. I can't look. I can't look. No, that's yep. how yeah. I am. And, I, and then I'll sort of like, I'll do like a little skim. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. And then I read yeah. it and I'm like, <laughs> and, then I'm like <laughs> and then I'm like, oh no, that's. That's actually really good. That's what I think I have like the stages. It's like the stages of grief. Yes. It's the stages of the editorial letter. That's we so should funny. actually trademark that. Like step one, barely look. Step two, I'm not doing it. Step three, oh, maybe. Oh, and then, and then, but you know, by the time you get to it, part of what I was doing on my fainting couch was... <laughs> coming up with you know oh like then you get that idea from something in the editorial letter and yeah. you're like oh and it like yeah. sort of sparks you and you're like okay I'm, I'm gonna do it it's gonna be okay and see I would be coming up with excuses about why I couldn't do it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that would be great but um you know I have a month with five weeks in it so that won't work <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to add in that. We're not going to make it six weeks. Uh, I yeah. came up a week short <laughs> in the timeline Oops. for my Christmas book. It's hilarious. I was like, I don't know. I was like, just don't say any specific days or dates. You'll be fine. Just yeah. stop with that. Sometime later. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. Sometimes you, you know, when it's a Christmas book, you got a Christmas book. It's a you're aiming for the day of Christmas. Yeah. 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 Christmas is kind of saying, oh, Christmas is only blah blah days away. And the copy editor said, actually, <laughs> your actually, it's not. Hilarious. Your timeline is the third week of Christmas. And then Christmas happens. So you skip over the last. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh gosh. Well, Kristen, you mentioned it a little bit, but I know everybody out there is going to want to know how your treatment's going and where you are with all that. So can you give us a little update? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, I'm on the last round. I'm two thirds of the way through the last round, which means I've had my final chemotherapy infusion. Um, and I'm still waiting to see how much hair I wind up keeping. Um, 
<clears throat> I know I talked to some of you, if you've tuned in before, maybe you know that I did a cooling cap, which lowers the temperature. It's see, I have to wet my scalp and then it lowers the temperature of my scalp to three degrees during the whole duration of the infusion. And then oh. I have to sit like that with it for two hours after the infusion also. Um, it's terrible for the first 30 minutes and then your head just kind of goes numb. It just yeah. Um, but it, it, it actually like ice crystals form on your scalp. So that is why I still have hair. It's this miraculous invention called a wow. Dignicap. I, I should be completely bald right now. So, um, but okay. So I love how I'm having reactions. Like, I don't know any of this. I'm like, <gasps> like you're like, and then what? I know, you I know, know, I, I, I want to say a couple honest things though. So it, a, I, I am, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I, I move on to radiation after this and that's going to be fine too. But you guys know when you ask me, like, I'm not like, Oh, everything's good. Like it, it, stuff's wrong. Like I feel fatigued. If you've noticed, you know, I've been, I've had tears in my eyes through the whole show. I keep wiping my eyes. I've got, I thought you just loved big, us. I do love you. I've got like <laughs> big weird welts on my arm right now. There's a lot of like weird little stuff that goes along with it, but no, but what I want to say about this is like, I just hope you remember, like, you know, I hope I remember it in, in years from now when I think like something's difficult. Like if you'd asked me a few months ago, like, can you go through this? I would have been like, wow, that's going to be so hard. I don't know if I can handle that. And like you do, you handle the stuff that you don't think. Yeah, I, I think we've all learned that. We've all, we've all had to go through things. And especially you, Mary Kay, we've just had to go through things in life that you just think, how, how can I get out of bed the next morning? How do I soldier through this. And mine is nothing compared to yours, Mary Kay. But I, you know, I think we're all capable of, um, of so much more than we think. And I, I, I just, I'm not the best example of that, but I, I think it's, I think it's worth remembering. Oh yeah. No, it's, you've been, you've been extraordinary. I mean, we all say that all the time. Like you've been extraordinary. Well, but but we've all been, I mean, you know, Patty, you've been through this and it's just, you know, we've all, there's always going to be bumps on the road, but I, I think it just helps to know that, that the road keeps going and, and that, you know, you just have to keep moving forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kristen, we know this has kept you off the road for a little bit and we'll keep you off the road for a little bit yeah. longer, but we have so much coming up to look forward to, like we were talking about earlier. So um, we're going to wrap it up, but before we go, Patty and Kathy, Patty and Mary Kay, do you want to talk about any events you have coming up? Sure. I think you guys have one coming up. Don't hey, you together? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're together this weekend. Um, if you're anywhere near Monroeville, Alabama, which is um, the birthplace of Harper Lee and the summering place of Truman Capote mm-hmm. and where To Kill a Mocking, Mockingbird takes place. And they have a, write, a literary festival every year. And um, Mary Kay and I get to speak together at it. And then... The week after that, Christy and I will be together in Boston mm-hmm. um, on Monday night, the 13th. Um, yeah. And then 14th. all of us will... 14th. It's the 14th. Well, we will be together Monday night, the 13th, but that our event is the 14th at 11 a.m. Oh, that's right. We moved it till that morning. Yeah, we did. It. We just, we had to move it. But so Beacon if Hill. you're around, come see us at Beacon Hill Books. We're super excited. It's so pretty. But you have a paperback tour coming up, don't you? Well, I mean, a little bitty. Like, so the book comes out March seventh, and then um, March 9th, I'll be in Naples, Florida, for an event. So, if you're in Naples, check out my website. Yeah. Come see me, um, and then I have something I've, like two events in Naples, and then, um, and then to be totally honest, I'm going to Palm Beach with some friends in the interim, yeah. and then going to see Patty in Boston. So it's going to be yeah. it's going to be great. We're going to go from hot to really really cold. I'll be yes. Dan <laughs> in my humongous coat. So that'll yes. be great. Wait, I want to address something in the chat because Diane Grant is asking how I liked the Golden Spoon because oh. I must have said in the newsletter I did say in the newsletter that oh, I was yeah. reading it, and it comes out next Tuesday. And Diane, I freaking loved it and we just <laughs> interviewed her for a podcast so um i'm assuming you ask because you might have read it but it is uh mary Kay. you're going to love this it is a uh, like only murders in the building but at a baking Ooh. show Ooh. in this remote um like castle kind of thing so, so cool. it's so fun it's a debut and it's it's really good so diane thanks for asking 
love that. Well, guys, this has been a great night. It was so fun for it to just be us for the after show. I loved seeing yeah. you guys. I thought we had to catch up. But, but I feel um, like I want to ask you guys more questions. But okay. You can. No, no, no. no. <laughs> We're done. Shut We're going to let Kristen go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but Kristen, um, your grace under pressure has been something yeah. to behold. Yeah. Everybody, we well, will see you on the 7th. Can, can I yeah. can I also say though that's because I have some great support. I mean, including wow. especially including you guys, including Meg, including Ron, including Sean. Like you guys have been, you know. Um, tonight we talked a lot about friendship with Hank, but like I, without mm. the friendship of you guys and and some of the other people in my life, I, you know, that's that's who makes you strong when you're at the tough moments in yeah. your life, right? The friendships yeah. that prop yeah. you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. On love that you guys. Note, all of you guys out there are also our amazing community, and you make all of us strong and happy every day. And we're so grateful for all of you. And so we will see you right here next week, same time, same place, with Jennifer Rosner and Julia Kelly. And before that, we'll see you on the seventh at um, the Susan G. Komen fundraiser. So we're super excited yeah. for that, and we hope that you all have a great night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.